0: Where people demonstrate exhibits a bazaar like various car uh, dealers would be there displaying cars and they'll serve refreshments and you have a few little singing and entertainment and this comes on once a year in Louisville, Kentucky that we have. And I went there, you know, kids looking for everything free you could get, popcorn and candy and left my bicycle outside. It was a rainy night I remember. came back it was stolen so I asked the man where to find the nearest policeman he told me a fellow by the name of Joe Martin who's downstairs in Columbia training center so I went down and reported my bicycle and uh, I asked him could I learn how to box so I could beat the guy up if I catch him.
1: Joe Martin had a big influence in your life didn't he? Well
0: yes he uh, trains about 50 boys a night five six nights a week And uh, he was largely instrumental in my great amateur success and confidence. He had the program, the connections that could move us right on up.
1: So you'd say that uh, if it hadn't been for Joe Martin, that uh, you might never have been a boxer?
0: Well, you could say it like that. I could have ran into boxing somewhere else. One of the really big things
1: in your life, of course in your younger life, was when you won that gold medal in the Olympic Games. Tell me
0: about the, the final bout you had in rome Well, yes that was with a fellow from poland who was awful strong and tough uh, i was 18 years old at the time he was about 27 and it was a tough fight my skill and my boxing ability my jabbing and moving my speed natural reflexes beat him and it was a good feeling standing on the center stone getting the gold medal it was real thrilling and uh, I uh, had a lot of write-ups where they would say where I would re- carry that medal, even the bed with me.
1: They told me you had it on for about 48 hours, is that right? That's right. I'm wondering if you were a, a noisy kid, uh, this act of yours, saying that you're the greatest. Does this come naturally to you or do you have to work at it?
0: Well, It's not only an act, but I do put emphasis on what I'm going to do. And I talk about it, and then make it look like it might be an act. But if you check my record, you'll find out that it's, none of it is really an act. For an example, when I came to London, England, for Henry Cooper, I told him for three weeks that he would go in round five, and he did. So it wasn't just an act. But uh, I've learned that this helps make you popular, draws uh, big money to get ticket box. And I do believe that I can do this the things that I say I'm going to do. So this is why I do that. When did you start to do this? After my third fight with, uh, I fought Willie Bezmanov, heavyweight champion of Germany. I predicted he would go in six, and he did. And I saw that by predicting these rounds, getting extra paper, space, magazine, publicity, and doing it over and over, It'll cause a little disturbance and people would want to check me a little closer and see if I am that good. And then it would make me draw more the ticket boxes and it ranked me over and pushed me past all of the real legal contenders who were just standing there setting. that weren't colorful. And uh, this is when I started after I saw how it worked after my first two fights. And if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have made the championship this quick. When you became the
1: Olympic champion, you must have had a lot of professional managers after you, trying to get your signature on a contract. Now, why did you turn them all down and then go with this group of Louisville
0: businessmen, who, after all, didn't know very much about boxing? Well, these are local fellows who had a big interest in me, and I didn't have to worry about them cheating me or stealing or doing anything crooked. Uh, line because their reputation was estate, they're millionaires and they wouldn't think of nothing like that. And uh, plus, they're local fellows, I could be in contact with them. Just about everybody in my city know them, and they gave me a good deal that no one else could uh, live up to. It keeps a man relaxed when he's got good backers. He can know he's going to always get a good meal. It's going to be paid for. Training camp to stay in and sparring partners will be paid and everything that he needs and it makes you a little more relaxed will this arrangement go on for several years i must see what they'll be thinking about and what they'll say when the time comes. they might be tired of listening to my big mouth they might be glad to get rid of it
1: tell me something about uh, your poetry now this is a thing that interests in uh, in england because we uh, we read quite a lot of your poetry Uh, some people describe it as being pretty horrible but other people think it's very effective how did you uh, come to take it up
0: Uh, it came from my round predicting, I would say, for an example. I would say, uh, whoever my opponent would be, he will be in a bad fix, because I will knock him out in round six. Or if he starts talking jive, I'll get him in five. If he makes me sore, he'll fall in four. If he keep talking about me, I'll get him in three. If that don't do, I'll get him in two. If he run, I'll get him in one. If he don't want to fight, he should stay home that night. Things like that, which led up to, you know, uh, little verses and little stories on the fight and who I'm fighting, and it all uh, little poems on me being the greatest. And I was only campaigning at the time, like a mayor, a fellow who's running for office in politics. He'll walk the streets, pass pamphlets out walk up on you, ask you, beg you to vote for him and then once he's in office he puts on his suit, his necktie, it takes an appointment to see him and sometimes he's too busy and he don't have time to see you. So I'm in that sort of uh, position. I was only campaigning for the crown. The things that I said then and I did then wouldn't look too wise to do now so I'll have to change my style. I'm lightening up on my portrait I am the greatest, I'll never make that type statement again, I'm the king, things like that. People tell me that. I don't have to say it no more. And uh, they all know it, the world knows it. So uh, I will, I believe, write a few more little poems. Uh, there will be no more round predicting. All of the round predicting is over. Only, I will only have surprises for the fans. If they want to know what's going to happen, just be there, I'll have a surprise. That's all I can offer now
1: people in boxing often say that a man has the killer instinct this is when uh, he's the sort of man who goes after his man when he's really got him going do you think you've got the killer instinct
0: i don't like that term the killer instinct because it don't sound too good they do say that uh as a rule in boxing they do say this fella has a killer instinct or he don't have a killer instinct but i call it a aggressive instinct uh We're not out to kill nobody. I don't know if my conscience will let me live if I even kill someone. Uh, And uh, I wouldn't say I have a killing instinct, but I have an aggressive instinct to take advantage of an opportunity, or you might say a knockout instinct, but not not intending to kill nobody. You were brought up uh, in the Baptist church, weren't you? Protestant church. Um, and you were brought
1: up to believe in Christianity. Has it been difficult for you to abandon these beliefs and take up your new your world new, uh, Well, you
0: can't tell a man something and uh, make him believe it unless you show him a reason and a fact why it's wrong. Uh, we've been taught to the Christian religion. is 2,000 years old. And uh, there's always been a God for trillions of years. And uh, Jesus Christ himself, uh, didn't teach Christianity because there was no Christianity that day. I didn't name Christianity they killed him. Moses 2000s before Jesus didn't teach it or none of the prophets. And if you check history and the Holy Quran, the real books and the Holy Land, you'll find out that the religions were Islam and uh, these prophets were Muslims. Has your conversion to the Islamic faith
1: cost you a lot of money?
0: Certain things that are with me and concerning my religions and striving to be a righteous man, uh, worshiping God wouldn't allow me to do it would make me look funny in front of the world uh, being in some love movie uh, with some woman hugging and kissing on her you understand these type things where two and three hundred thousand dollar offers involved I just tell them to go because my love of Almighty God Allah and my religious convictions are more to me than fame or if I had to give up everything that I have now, if I had to quit boxing and have one suit of clothes to wear and go somewhere and find a job to prove that uh, I'm with Allah and his messenger Elijah Muhammad, I'll retire and do all of that right at this minute, if it had to be that. So which goes to show you that Uh, I'm a boxer, and I fight once a year, and I'm in the bracket now where I can draw eight million dollars a night. So I really don't need these things, and it would be too embarrassing to take them.
1: So although you have uh, Cadillacs, and although presumably you have as much money as you want,
0: it doesn't really matter to you, the money doesn't really matter to you, what does matter to you is your faith. That, and you must say, be realistic about it, money matters. We can't live here in this world, as you know, without money. We need money. But I want to say one thing. When it comes to the point where a man, uh, any man, I believe, has to judge between money or God, then I would say he's an idiot or a fool, making a fool of himself to choose money. Because first of all, if the money's there, it was God who got him to the money. It was God who enabled him to have the health and the ability to get to the money. So I believe this is the way God would test you, is to make you famous, make you great, and then attempt you with some worldly luxury things and see if you really appreciate what he's done for you. That's the test. Any man can be fat, uh, eating a lot of food, happy and at home and saying, I love God, I believe in God, I treat everybody right. Well, let him get bankrupt, let him... Wonder how he's going to pay his bills next week and let him be hungry and uh, look like he's headed for disaster poverty and then see how much he still love God. As you know, it's a Bible story about Job where God took all of his wealth. And Job's wife told him to curse your God. And then he took his health, and Job wouldn't curse his God. And the wife said, you're a fool. And Job said, woman, I'll never curse my God. Are you crazy? And so he lost all of his wealth, and he looked like he was going to die. But God tested him. And later, Job become twice as healthy and four times as rich. So uh, this is a little case of mine. I wouldn't say I'm no prophet nothing like that. But I know this, is, these, this, this confronts me now. And I'm healthy. From the, uh, God kept me healthy, He made me the champion, He's blessed me to have no marks on my face, and I would look silly even mentioning losing some money. Money is nothing. God can get me all the money I want.
2: Sportsview, broadcast on BBC Radio, 15th of August, 1967.
0: The world heavyweight champion is the man who can whoop every man in the world. He's superior to all men physical in the ring. And at this time, I can physically whip every man in the world, have never been whipped. I whooped Sonny Liston, fair and square, whooped him twice, a man who they said was unbeatable, defended the title 11 times, went to every country, fought uh, challenges from every country, gave everybody a chance, no return clauses in my contracts. And I'm known as the established heavyweight champion of the whole world. I'm the fastest, the classiest, uh, the most scientific and ranked as the fastest heavyweight in history. And it's impossible for someone to say, I am no, uh, dethroned when I haven't been whooped.
3: Now, the the title was taken away from you because you refused to go into the army, and uh, there is a chance that you could go to to jail for this.
0: Oh, I knew that when I st- stuck up for the Islamic belief, 1,000%, uh, that I would catch Prussia's. And many people, religious people in the past, Jesus spent some time in jail, Moses spent some time in jail, Uh, Noah, Lot, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad Ali himself, Martin Luther King, all men who stand up for their beliefs in a society where that uh, is not understood or is misrepresented naturally suffer punishments, but in the end they're always much greater after they serve the time. You'd rather do this than, for instance, leave the country and live uh, live abroad. Oh, I'll never leave the country. I've had many offers to leave the country, to go to other countries, to be citizens of their governments. But my people are here. The 22 million people struggle for freedom, justice, and equality. I have the image. I can do a lot to help, in jail or not. If all goes well and uh, and you don't go to jail, I understand you... If I don't you... go to jail, I'll be on my comeback trail. I'll make them scuffle with the shuffle
2: the richest prize in sport. Broadcast on BBC television, 14th of March, 1968.
0: I've always wanted to be the world champion ever since I first heard of Rocky Marzano. I remember one night I was in a car, hitchhiking a ride home from the gymnasium, and Marzano was fighting, Walt out somebody as a child or somebody. And I remember when the man said, in this corner, the heavyweight champion of the whole world, Rocky Marciano, and that's just so much glory, it sounds so good. Here I am, a little boy in Kentucky, I heard I caught hell scuffling with the boys in my neighborhood. And just to think, the champion of the whole big world, the champion of all Europe, America, Asia, Africa, Japan, China, everywhere, the champion of the world. I always wanted to get that title, and I've been scuffling and working towards it and I finally got it.
1: Britain met him for the first time in 1963. He wasn't champion yet, but he was already world famous, the man who predicted the round and always seemed to be right. He was here to fight Henry Cooper. Cooper would shake
0: him. I won to fight for three rounds and I got careless uh, in the... Um, I predicted five that night and uh, I just started taking it easy, figuring that I would put the heat on him in five. He caught me in the corner and he hit me with a left hook and it was a hard one. And immediately I went down, but I got right back up because when you're in good physical condition, hard punches really don't sting you too long. They come right off. So that's what happened there. He did tag me with a solid punch and one of the hardest that I've ever been hit. The time, one minute, 15 seconds of the fifth round, the referee stops the contest. play the winner. Well, in those days, uh, in those days, I was campaigning, when I first got into the ranking, and people like Henry Cooper, I couldn't whoop at that time when I first started, people like uh, uh, Zoe Foley, Nino Valdez, and uh, Sonny Lister, and I wasn't too much ready for these fellas, so I said, and the only way I'm going to get to the top. Uh, it's to beat all of these fellas, and I'm not ready. It might take too long. I found out that promoters and people like money, whatever can draw the most, they will match it, whether it's the number one contender or the number ten contender. And skip the rest of the in-between contenders. If the number ten contender can draw more money than the number two contender, they'll use him. And a fellow named Gorgeous George, or wrestlerer, from here in america i saw him talking once about how pretty i am i cannot be beat he said look at my beautiful silver hair no man in the world can beat me i'm the greatest wrestler that ever lived when i
2: go into that ring i'm gonna annihilate
0: the bum i'm beautiful and that night when gorgeous george went to the wrestling ring all the ladies were booing and the people were so mad and the place was full everybody paid a high price to come in the arena was full of people and, and he had two blondes and a brunette carrying his robe so it wouldn't drag the ground. And if he come in the ring so proud, everybody said, boo, boo. He said, ah, gone, ah, gone, I'm beautiful. And the ladies would come and spray his hair and they would spray some perfume under his arms. And people said, boo, kill the bomb, kill him. And at that moment, I said, this is a good idea. I believe I'd start doing this. So I started talking, I am the greatest. I cannot be beat, I'm pretty. If you keep talking jive, you'll fall in five. Look at me, I'm too beautiful to be a fighter. And the people got so mad. And that night of the fight, cars would come. People would be paying $100 for a seat. And I said, Angelo, how much money is here? He said, the place is sold out. I said, that's good, it worked.
1: And so, seven months later, February 1964, We go to Miami Beach, Florida. It's important to remember now that, at the time, Clay wasn't thought to be old enough, clever enough or tough enough to beat Liston. In the Miami Beach Convention Hall, people who've paid up to £90 a seat are convinced that Clay's about to get the shellacking he deserves. This young upstart, still only 22, has bragged non-stop for two years. OK, so he's got himself a title fight. Now he's got to button the lip and start fighting. Can he beat Liston? Not a hope. In the long, long history of the World Heavyweight Championship, no man had ever given up the title sitting on his stool. You just don't do that with the richest prize in sport. But Liston does it, the man who's lifted himself out of the gutter and become the champion of the world. Liston, of all people, gives up the title sitting on his stool. It took a few moments to sink in that Liston had actually quit. Then, all hell broke loose.
4: Something's so bad he had to go to the hospital, and I'm still pretty. What's you gonna say about that, huh? I don't have a mark. I watched Sugar Ray Robinson and Jake LaMotta for three months. That's what I watched. Same fight. It wasn't with Sugar Ray Robinson and Bodini. I got Bodini with me. He was with Sugar Ray for ten years. I've, I've been having the best of them training Behind doors The, door. uh, the bear couldn't hurt me The bear couldn't even get a good lick I'm so pretty Put him in the hospital He's never been stopped He's never been wo- Oh, I'm so great. Oh, I'm so great. Oh, I shook up, and what make it so good, all of these hypocrites? You can't call it a fix. You can't call it a fix because of, I didn't stop the fight. The doctors had to stop it. Oh, I'm so pretty. I shook up the world. Man, I'm through
0: talking. And uh, if you could watch the film of that fight, and if you look at that film real close, and notice how listen is hitting at me, notice how that I'm holding my hand out like as a filler or radar to keep from him hitting me, and if you can look at that film good and watch how he barely missed me my guard was down, you can see that I had trouble. And uh, the film don't lie. The actual film at that moment it happened, they, it's there. So uh, later Liston said he had shoulder trouble and that's why he uh, didn't want to continue. But uh, it wasn't a matter of me just quitting because I'm scared of getting beat because I was winning. And Liston uh, could have hurt his shoulder because he was missing with a lot of punches. And then he could have he just quit because he was exhausted and didn't want to suffer the embarrassment of getting knocked out in the exact round that I said he would. The return with Liston
1: was now rejected by Boston. It wound up here, in the state of Maine, in a tiny mill town that had seen better days. The setting was drab. The prices, however, were not cut rate, and the fight was to be televised into 250 cinemas. George
4: Joe Walker says it's all over. Stop! This is fantastic! This is fantastic!
0: I've never seen a finish like it in my life! And uh, we were dancing, feeling each other out, and Liston caught me in a corner, and I happened to bounce away from him and jumped right in with a hard right. He just missed with a left and it was a connect. They tried to say it was a fix. Then they're saying that the judge was a fix, they're saying that the referee was phony, they're saying that my managers are phony, Angelo Dundee, they're saying the listeners people are phony, they're saying the state commissioners phony, And, and, and couldn't nobody pull no fix before the world like that.
1: But with the Vietnam War hotting up, Muhammad Ali was eligible for the army, they said. His reply? He said he had no quarrel with the Viet Cong. He wouldn't join up. America Why do you insist on being called Muhammad Ali now?
0: Now That's the name given to me by my leading teacher, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's my original name. That's a black man name. Cassius Clay was my slave name. I'm no longer a slave. What does it mean? Muhammad means worthy of all phrases, and Ali means most high.
4: It seems strange to many boxing fans that the world's best fighter cannot get into the United States Army. What about that test? I'm not the judge. Best thing you do is go to Washington. Was anything difficult about the test?
0: It was a rather tough test. I did my best.
4: That's all I can say. It's all over with. There's nothing else to say now. Well, how do you feel about the Army? Would you like to be in? I'm not saying no nothing about where I'd like to be. All I'm saying is this is all
0: over with, and I don't want to have nothing else to say about it.
4: Since you failed to pass this test, many young men around the country may become bitter, feeling that if the heavyweight champion of the world isn't a fighter, why should they go in and fight?
0: my not, I'm not the judge. I'm a fighter, I'm the heavyweight champion of the world and you're asking me some tough, complicated questions and it's not my job to answer them. I don't have to. I don't know how they feel. I don't. Not my business, how they feel.
4: Do you think you're smart enough to be in the Army?
0: No, I don't know. I'm not making no statements. I'm through with the Army. What you trying to do, trap me, make me say something bad? I'm not saying nothing bad about nothing, nobody.
4: What about your unpatriotic remarks that you made? That will be straightened out with the government
0: or whoever I have to face when it comes to that. Are you apologizing
4: for having made those statements at this time?
0: To, uh, to uh, I'm apologizing to have made them to newspaper reporters.
4: You, you're not apologizing for the unpatriotic uh, uh, statements that you
0: made? I'm a champ of the world, this is athletic commissioner, and I'm here to fight for the title, and I'm just apologizing for what I said to the newspapers and to the press when I should have had these things to say, and they will from now be said with the people themselves who are in charge of this. Mr. Clay, Muhammad Ali, uh, sir. Mr. Muhammad Ali, either one. When you appeared before this commission before, if I recall correctly, you said you were the people's champion? Yes, sir. Do you think that you're acting like a people's champion? Yes, sir.
1: A winner in the ring, yes. People ask, is he sincere in his beliefs? They've already cost him the world heavyweight title, a wife, and probably his freedom. How much more sincere can you get?
0: And as you say, oh, this draft problem here in America that I'm under is not something that I've just grabbed to dodge the draft. If you check back, look in the newspaper files, look back in the history book, the records, you'll find out that I had to di- divorce my first wife because she wouldn't conform to the Muslim faith. It cost me $50,000 cash, security bond, to uh, get rid of her. It's costing me $1,200 a month. For the next 10 years, I paid $48,000 in lawyer's fees for hers and mine. And in all, I paid nearly some $137,000, which was tax-free money. I had to make almost a million dollars to get my divorce. Well, I didn't really mean it when I say I'm the greatest. I'm not really the greatest. This was just publicity to make people angry, to be boastful, to make people come to see me beat. In return, I fought on percentage, and I made money. So I wasn't doing that. We are taught, we who are Muslims. and uh, At the time, I was a Christian, and I wasn't really a converted follower of Islam. And only Allah is the greatest, we are taught. God is the greatest. We have a saying in Arabic, allah akbar allah akbar means God is the greatest, not me. So I want to close saying that I'm not the greatest. This was just fight publicity.
2: Parkinson, broadcast on BBC One, 17th of October, 1971.
5: Can I go back to your to your childhood? When you were a kid um, in Louisville, did you get involved in fist fights and things like that? I mean, we a, a couple.
0: I, um, I can remember a couple of little fights, but I ran because it's kind of dangerous. One fellow was going for a rock, another was picking up a stick. It wasn't no referees or no judges, and I got out. It wasn't <laughs> right.
5: Did you did you at that time though, when you were twelve and, and in your early teens, did you um, ever imagine yourself as being world champion? Did you used to say? Right. Yourself? Well,
0: it happened one night when I heard Rocky Marciano. He had beat Walcott or somebody, and I was in the rain on my bicycle, leaning over, listening to a fellow's radio on the car, and I heard the fellow say, and still the heavyweight champion of the world, Rocky Marciano, and all the noise. It sounds so. I rode off in the rain on my bicycle. I could just hear the man say, it. My, at that time my name was Cassius Clay, and still the heavyweight champion of the whole world, Cassius Clay. <laughs> I heard it as I rode off in the rain and I said to myself, the champion of the whole world can whoop every man in Russia, every man in America, every man in China, every man in Japan, every man in Europe, every man in America, the champion of the whole world. It sounded big then. So I kept working until I did it, not only the champion of the whole world, but better than all of those before me.
5: I'm not going to argue with you.
0: You're not as dumb as you look.
5: much now a political figure as you are a, an
0: athlete. Um, I don't call myself a political, well, you're not involved, seeking to be. So. You're,
5: but you are involved in a, in a political struggle, in a, in a power yeah. struggle between mm-hmm. black and white, and you're a leading member of that. Can I ask you, when you f- were first aware, when you were a child, of the differences between well, black and get white? Well, one
0: thing straight. I'm not involved in a power struggle, I'm not between black and white. We're not trying to get power over whites. I'm involved, I would say, in a freedom struggle. You understand? I wouldn't say power struggle. Right. That means I want to get in power to do you like, you know, not you, but the the white American, like they've done us. We're not trying to get in that type of power to rule nobody. We're just trying to get out from under the ruler, the evil ruler.
5: But when did you? But when did you? What I asked you was when, you, when? When was your first recollection as a child of being a second-class citizen, second being treated class, like well,
0: No, <laughs> more sixteenth f- <16th> class. <laughs> They used to always say we're second class citizens. I used to always say to my mother, I said, Mama, how come we're second class citizens? The African can go where I can't go. The Chinese can go where I can't go in America. The Englishman, you can come to white America and set up businesses and do things I can't do. And the Puerto Rican, the Hawaiian, and just about everybody came before the black people and more respected. So I said, uh, so if we were just second-class citizens, we'd be doing all right. But so we way, way down far second class. Oh, man, if we were second-class citizens, we'd be driving all Cadillacs on, uh, living good. First class would be driving the Rolls Royce, but we'd still be doing good. No, we way under that. But things are getting much better. But I always wonder when I went to church on Sundays. I've always been one to, I'm not just a boxer. I do a lot of reading, a lot of studying. I ask questions. I go, I travel these countries. I watch how their people live, and I learn. And I always asked my mother, I said, Mother, how come is everything white? I said, why is Jesus white with hair and blue eyes? Why is the Lord's <laughs> Supper all white men? Angels are white, Pope and, and um, Mary and every, even the angels. I said, Mother, when we die, do we go to heaven? She said, naturally, we go to heaven. I said, "But well, what happened to all the black angels when they took the pictures? <laughs> she, <laughs> I said, oh, I know, if the white folks was in heaven too, then the black angels were in the kitchen preparing the milk and honey. (laughs) She said, listen, you quit saying that, boy, I was always curious, and I always wondered why I had to die to go to heaven, why I couldn't have pretty cars and good money and nice homes now. Why do I have to wait till I die to get milk and honey? And I said, mama, I don't want no milk and honey, I like steaks, and and I said, milk and honey is a laxative anyway. Did they have a lot of bathrooms in heaven? <laughs> so anyway, I was always curious. I always wondered why. You know, Tarzan is the king of the jungle in Africa. He was white. And, uh, <laughs> white man. I saw this white man swinging around Africa with a diaper on hollering, oh, oh, oh! Do you all see Tarzan over here? Right. You see Tarzan? Yeah. And all the Africans, so he's beating them up and breaking the lion's jaw. And here's Tarzan talking to the animals. And... The African's been there for centuries, and he had, can't talk to the animals. Only Charles can talk to the animals. I always wonder why Miss America was always white. All the beautiful brown women in America, beautiful suntans, beautiful shapes, all type complexions, but she always was white. And Miss World was always white. And Miss Universe was always white. And then they got some stuff called White House Cigars, white swan soap, king white soap, white cloud tissue paper, white rain hair rinse, white tornado flow wax, everything was white. And the angel food cake was the white cake, and the devil food cake was the chocolate cake. (laughs) I said,
6: Mama, why is everything
0: white? I always wondered, you know, and and the president lived in the white house. (laughs) And Mary had a little lamb, his feet as white as snow and snow white. And everything was white, Santa Claus was white. And everything bad was black. The little ugly duckling was the black duck, and the black cat was the bad luck. And if I threaten you, I'm gonna blackmail you. <laughs> and so, Mama wanted to call it white male? They lied too. <laughs> I, w- I was always curious, and then and <laughs> this is when I knew something was wrong. <laughs> Won the Olympic gold medal in Rome, Italy. Olympic champion, the Russian standing right here, and the pole right here. Is Poland considered a communist country? Yeah. Yeah, I'm defeating America's so-called threats or enemies. And the flag is going ton <laughs> I'm standing so proud. <laughs> and I don't hoop the world for America. <laughs> I took my gold medal, thought I'd invented something. I said, man, I know I'm gonna get my people freedom there. I'm the champion of the whole world, the Olympic champion. I know I can eat downtown now. And I went downtown that day, had my big old medal on and went to the restaurants. At that time, black things weren't integrated. The black folks couldn't eat downtown. And I went downtown. I sat down and I said, no, a cup of coffee, a uh, hot dog. He said, the lady said, we don't serve Negroes. I was so mad. I said, I don't eat them either. Just give me a cup of hot <laughs> I said, I'm the Olympic gold medal. And three days ago, I fought for this country in Rome. I won the gold medal, and I'm going to eat. The manager heard her tell the manager, and she says, he said, well, I'm not the, I'm not the man. that He's got to go out. Anyway, I didn't raise no other. They put me out. And I had to leave that restaurant in my hometown where I went to church and served in their Christianity and fought, and daddy fought in all the wars, just wanted the gold medal, and couldn't eat downtown. I said, something's wrong. And from then on, I've been a Muslim.
5: Yes, I was going to ask you, in fact, what attracted you to the to The, the Muslim, truth,
0: the teachings of Elijah Muhammad on how black people's been brainwashed, how they've been taught to love, white, and hate black, how we've been robbed of our names in slavery, we were robbed of our culture, we were robbed of our true history, so it left us a walking dead man. So you got black people in all white country, and they don't know nothing about themselves, they don't speak their language, they're just mentally dead. And this is happening all over the world. But the first place that will rise will be the black people in America, and then the rest of them will. But it's going. I I was one who heard the truth, and when I heard the truth about my name was not Cassius Clay, like, like uh, I know a black man in America named John Hawkins. Now you know who John Hawkins was. He was a slave trader from England. But the white, the white people at that time, if one had five slaves and his name was Jones, they would be called Jones property. If he was auctioned off to Mister Smith, your name was Smith identifying you as property of certain masters. Mm. So now that I'm free, now that I'm no longer a slave, then I want a name of my ancestors, Mm. Muhammad Ali. Like a Chinese, how would a Chinese look named Robert Smith? (laughs) (laughs) How would would a German look named Edward Goldberg? (laughs) A Jewish name. So like, uh, When I heard that we don't have our names, we don't speak our true Arabic language, we were robbed of Islam, our true religion, and we've been made deaf, dumb, and blind in slavery, and Elijah Muhammad was taught by Allah, who we refer to as God, to teach us the truth that will free us. And when I heard it, I've been free ever since. I have no racial problems. I don't go where I'm not wanted. I'm, I mean, I'm proud, and, and the Islam did it, So, and after these things that I heard in church, heard preaching, watching this and that, I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't pinpoint it. But as soon as I heard the truth that Elijah Muhammad teaches us in America, it made me accept it.
5: Can I quote this to you, though, that um, they, uh, you, they, Elijah Muhammad teaches uh, separatism, that the two races shall to live uh, that the blacks shall have their own
2: territory. well he,
5: but but can I ask you about that't wouldn 't it make more sense and cause less pain all around in the in the struggle for um, um, in this battle, if it was integration rather than separatism? I mean why do you reject integration?
0: Well, I tell you uh, number one, we don 't want to start the people to think it wrong we don 't hate nobody, but Elijah Muhammad teaches us the truth of God that 's never been taught to our people or nobody really. He teaches us that God beautified the planet Earth by separating everybody in different countries to themselves. Chinese are in China, English ones in England, Puerto Ricans in Puerto Rico, Ethiopians in Ethiopia, Arabians in Arabia, Egyptians in Egypt. And Americans took that country anyway and then stole it up. So you're going to always have chaos and trouble. It's a savage country. I noticed here the policemen don't carry guns. They're not even not hit people with sticks. Born in America, they got two policemen, five policemen in one car watching each other. Each has got a pistol, one's got a machine gun, one's got a shotgun, and two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they crawl the streets day and night, and ah, they shooting, pound, hitting, It's crazy. See, and I understand that the worst people in England at that time were ran to America for some reason, and to that part of the world, and then the slavery came and caused all the corruption. But we've been there 600 years, and there ain't no peace between black and whites because the cultures are different. Like Chinese and Mexicans cannot integrate. The music is different, the eating is different. But do you
5: think think if to to ever get this this, uh, sort of separate state, do you think it can be achieved bloodlessly or do you think there will be a fight?
0: Well, it won't be on our part. We are taught that it's impossible for us to be violent with the most powerfulest military country on the planet. America is awful powerful. She makes all the guns, all the machines, all the bullets, taught us how to shoot the guns. And it's it's totally impossible for 30 million black people to be violent against 170 million. We need a mental res- uh, revolution, unity, and coming together, and not physical. So, when, we, when he says separation, what he's saying is that black people must do something for themselves, and not always beg white people to move in the neighborhoods, but clean their own neighborhoods. And another thing, when you say integration, it comes on the intermarriage too, right? All right. been together. Right, sure. And I'm sure no intelligent white person watching this show, or no intelligent uh, white man in his or her right white mind, want black boys and black girls marrying their white sons and daughters, and in return, introducing their grandchildren as half-brown, kinky-haired black people. I, w- I, wouldn't, I'm sure I'm, I wouldn't object to that. Well, you wouldn't, but a lot of them would. Well, I'm sure a
5: lot of people would know. What point I'm that... trying to say
0: is this, what I'm trying to say is this, and uh, you don't have it. You say you don't, but you don't have it. You really ain't going to have it. You're on the show, and you've got to say that. But, no, no, that's not true. Why would you want to do that? Because, because I, don't like think, I don't think
5: I'm any different from you. you See?
0: Uh, yeah, we're yeah, we much different. Let's I mean, I think it. society's you know, made us you different. You know, we're different. Yeah. We're all together. Well, society's different. made us different. No, not society. God made us different. No, no, we're just human beings. He made no, all no, of us. No, we all listen. Bluebirds fly with bluebirds. Redbirds want to be with birds. Listen, listen. Tell me when I'm wrong. Pigeons want to be with pigeons. Tell me when I'm wrong. We have intelligence. We have They don't have intelligence, but yet no. they stay together. We should have more intelligence than them, right? <laughs> buzzards are <and> with buzzards. <laughs> yeah. Buzzers are with buzzards. Bluebirds with bluebirds—they all are birds, but they have got different cultures. The eagles like to hang out in the mountains. The buzzard like to fly around the desert. Well, be the bluebird pr- like to fly around the trees and the grass. There be certain
5: problems—a buzzard mating with a sparrow, wouldn't there? What? There be certain right, right, right. and that's, I mean, we have
0: the problems too. No, I don't mean, see, I don't see, I don't see no black and white couples in England or America walking around proud, holding their children.
5: That's because society... And going out. That's, that's society's fault. Well, I, mean, well, so, but, well, I mean, we've got to educate well, well, people around it. Well, life
0: t- is too short out. for me to be catching <laughs> hell for something like that. I'd rather go and be with my own. I have a beautiful daughter, beautiful wife. They look like me. We're all happy, and I don't have no trouble. And, <laughs> I don't have no trouble. Ain't I ain't that much in love with no woman to go through all that hell. Ain't no one woman that good.
7: <laughs>
5: you understand? I understand, yeah. I just, I do understand. I understand. I think it's, I think it's sad that, that, that... It ain't sad because I want my sad. child to it look like me. Every you.
0: intelligent person wants his child to look like him. I'm sad because I want to blot out my race and lose my beautiful identity. Chinese love Chinese. They love the little slanted-eyed, pretty brown-skinned babies. Pakistanis love their culture. Jewish people love their culture. A lot of Catholics don't want to marry them They're Catholics. They want the religion to stay the same. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? You you a hater of your people if you don't want to stay who you are. You shame what God made you. God didn't make no mistake when he made us all like we I, were. I think
5: that's a philosophy um, of despair. Despair. I really do. It please. ain't no despair. Yeah. I think Number one, can't
0: no woman. Let <laughs> me tell you something. I will to tell you Listen, no woman on this whole earth, not even a black woman in Muslim countries, can please me and cook for me and socialize and talk to me like my American black woman. No woman, and last, is a white woman can really identify with me and my feelings and the way I act and the way I talk. See? And you can't take no Chinese man and give him no Puerto Rican woman and holler him about we in love and you emotionally in love and physically, but really they're not happy because she's gonna hear some Puerto Rican music, he's gonna hear some Chinese music. And they're gonna be <laughs> clashing all the time. It's just nature. You can do what you want, but it's nature to want to be with your own. I wanna be with my own. I love my people. That's all, I don't hate nobody. And it keeps me out of trouble.
5: I I believe you when you say that you um, don't hate anybody. Um, But Elijah Muhammad has been on record. and You must have been asked this many times as saying that white men are devils. You don't believe that, do you?
0: Yeah, I believe everything he preached. Mainly he talks about the American white man. You think I'm going to get on television and tell you that I don't believe in what Elijah Muhammad teaching? I'm his number one of his main followers. I well, believe. And if the white man ain't the devil, mainly he's aiming at the history of the American. He ain't never said about Europe or Sweden or Canada. America. And if you can prove you, he's not the devil, then he should get on the television and call the man a liar. No white man says he's not a devil. But they the, don't say nothing.
5: Are you saying that, that every white man then in uh, America he, is a white man? Uh, I, John F. Kennedy a white man? Yeah. Uh, was, he a, was he a devil?
0: Well, uh, who, who am I to say?
5: What do you think
7: he was?
0: <laughs> who am I to say he was the devil? I'm not Elijah Muhammad. Eli- no, no, I've heard Elijah Muhammad say this. There are many white people who mean right and in heart want to do right. But there are so few. If 10,000 rattlesnakes was coming down that aisle now, and I had a door here I could shut, and in that 10,000, 1,000 meant Right. 1,000 rattlesnakes didn't want to bite me. I knew they were good. Should I let all these rattlesnakes come down, hoping that that 1,000 get together and farm a shield? Or should I just close the door and stay safe? I think that the, the Viet Cong are not all bad, but America's still dropping bombs. In Hiroshima, the Japan wasn't bad, but she still dropped the bomb. In Korea, they weren't bad, but they still dropped the bomb. So now I'm going to forget the 400 years of lynching and killing and raping and depriving my people of freedom, justice and equality, the first fired, last high, fire, the lowest of low, last respected. And I'm going to look at two or three white people who are trying to do right and don't see the other million trying to kill me. <laughs> I'm not that big of a fool. And I'm not going to deny it. I believe everything he teach. And if the white people of the country are not the devil, then they should prove they're not the devil. They kill all our leaders, assassinating them daily, those who ever come into prominence. And it's been happening, they never get the one. They went in Africa prison the other day and shot 35 black brothers of mine. I knew most of them. Killed them outright, had no weapons, said they were going to slice the guard's throat, and no guard's throat to slice. They just wanted to kill black people. 400 men shot point blank at 35 or 40 black men with no weapons and killed them. And who went to jail? Nobody. It happens every day. And they rape our women daily. Policemen pull black people over and hit them across the head and unjustly trial them in courts. And no, none of the good white folks can be found to help us. Now, what am I going to do? Can Get up and tell you he lies, mom's wrong when he said they're not the devil? They have to prove they're not the devil. The history is the history of a devil. You can cannot I? lynch and kill and rape and burn and castrate a man, rape his women, and for 400 years enslave them and burn them and still mistreat them and dropping bombs on them, about all over the world, causing trouble everywhere they go, and then you're going to say he's not the devil? Prove he's not the devil.
5: Can I, you mentioned that at the beginning, of Vietnam. And I'd like to talk to you now about um, what happened when you refused to join, to join the forces. Um, as you said, the, the uh, black Muslim movement is in fact- It's just Muslim,
0: it's not black Muslim. That's a the press Muslim. word. All right. And uh, the history of the Americans is the divide and conquer. We're Muslims. We got white Muslims, brown Muslims, yellow Muslims, tan Muslims, red Muslims, and black Muslims. Islam is the same world over. There ain't no such thing as a black Muslim. That's why they try to cut us off my brothers in the rest of the world to divide us in America and make the other Muslims think that we are not with them. We're all the same. I recognize them. They recognize me. I'm invited to all their homes all over the world. I'm invited to Muslim countries. And the first thing they ask me is, why do you call yourself black Muslims? I thought we all brothers if we can follow it. That's the truth. But the press word gave us the name black Muslims to cut us off from them
5: alright well you say it's a pacifist movement what do you mean
0: pacifist I didn't say never use the word pacifist well it's, really. it's
5: in, in, every, in every article I've ever read about it it's, it's being declared a pacifist movement what does that mean that it doesn't fight it doesn't it believe fight if
0: we're we attacked
5: so you're not a pacifist movement
0: then? if I'm attacked fight like hell if you attack me <laughs> you going not attack no I'm not no foolish movement we're not going to be the aggressor but we have a saying after each meeting we're not to be the aggressors but we defend ourselves if attacked now, we but, will fight, but we're not going to go looking to start nothing.
5: But you, you, you refused to go and fight in Vietnam. Was it because <coughs> you disagreed with the war in Vietnam or a, because you disagreed with, with, I in with the fighting Quran. generally?
0: I believe in the Holy Quran. It says, we who declare ourselves to be righteous Muslims do not take parts in no wars, no way, fashion, or form which take the lives of other humans unless it's a holy war declared by God himself. And I think anybody is right, man, if he knew it was God calling, then he would fight for God.
5: But then you would, if, if it ever came and, and God hoped... It never does. Into a war between black and white, you would fight them.
0: A black and white? How?
5: Well, supposing it's black and
0: white. A lot of wars have happened between black and white in America daily. The hundreds of dying revolutions in America. But if it's something that I don't agree with, the people who starting it or who's in it involved is black, I will not get in it. No war that's uh, like it have to be a holy war declared by God himself. <laughs> some black man go out and start something, a ride, I'm not going to jump in it and get killed because he's went out and started something that I don't believe in what he's fighting for. I don't agree with his approach.
5: What plans do you have for the for the future now, if, apart from, from fighting?
0: Well, just, uh, I'll tell you something. I don't think I've ever said this before, but I'll tell you. I really care nothing about boxing. Boxing is a stepping stone just to introduce me to the audience, like, uh, like, like, uh, like, like, If I was still in Louisville, Kentucky, and never was a boxer, I might get killed next week in some type of freedom struggle, and you never read the news. But now, if I am even say the wrong thing and make news. So like boxing is just to introduce me to the struggle. Like when I speak, I draw people in the states to draw my people, to teach them various things, which give them dignity, pride, and self-help, and go for self. And I help the ghetto and help the dope prostitution problem. The juveniles, and I use my image to help or do all I can to stop a lot of trouble among our own people fighting and killing each other. So boxing is just going to be another year, but my main fight is for freedom and equality, and this is what I plan to do in boxing. It's good for livelihood, but mainly uh, money don't really mean nothing, because I proved that when I gave up the title. Not knowing if I'm coming back or not for four years, and they let me back on my terms. I didn't deny nothing, I believe. But still the same everything. So if even today, if my title hadn't been given back to him, if I got such in poverty where I had to go find a job, I would have did that. But I was—I made a good living speaking in colleges, because the war got unpopular, and so many black militants who were trying to do all they could, and I was a naturally right in the middle of all of it, and represented it, and that kept me alive. But if I couldn't fight, I would still not be fighting. So number one comes freedom first, of my people, equality. And, this is uh, what I plan to do after I'm through fighting, working with nothing but the people, the little people in the alleys, the wineheads, the downtrodden people, going out among them and helping them with, with my image.
5: Do you think, do, do you find that, uh, um, that uh, the people's attitude in America changed towards you? Those that criticized you at the time when you refused to go in the army, uh, afterwards, two and a half years when Vietnam became an unpopular war, well, then do you find their attitude had changed towards well, they're you Well, they on my side hero?
0: only for reasons of war, not religion, no. not for my people's freedom. No. Uh, I was involved in something that they didn't like, and I was involved in something that they later agreed with me on just that subject. But s- the same people that are with me for uh, not going to Vietnam because that saves them and their children, the same people will give me hell if I turn around and say, now let's free my people now. Yeah. Well, so gonna... they're with me only on that part of my, my belief is yes. the war. That's all. Not, not for my freedom. Yes.
5: Well, not, can, can I... Um ask you um before we have to close down sadly more time believe, flies
0: huh? when you in good company don't
5: could <laughs> <laughs> right, there's talk of a, a rematch with frazier and anybody who saw the first fight i'm sure would be uh, that's what they want to see because it was a great fight it was one of the best fights i've ever seen i think are you going to make a prediction about your return
0: well i have a poem Ah. We one minute. <laughs> one the minute. The form easy, goes though. like this. People say, what's going to happen? You meet Joe Frazier again. Here's how the fight's going to sound on the radio for those who can't afford to buy the expensive theater seats. <laughs> and the fight goes like this. Ding! Ali comes out to meet Frazier. But Frazier starts to retreat. If Frazier goes back an inch farther, he'll wind up in a ringside seat. <laughs> Ali swings to the left. Ali swings to the right. Look at the kid carry the fight. Frazier keeps backing, but there's not enough room. It's a matter of time. There, Ali lowers the boom. Now, Ali lands to the right. What a beautiful swing! And the punchless Frazier clean out of the ring. (laughs) Frazier's still rising, but the referee wears a frown, for he can't start counting till Frazier comes down. Now, Frazier disappears from view. The crowd is getting frantic, but our radar station have picked him up. He's somewhere over the Atlantic. <laughs> Who would have thought when they came to the fight that they would have witnessed the launching of a colored satellite?
5: <laughs> I see.
7: <laughs>
5: and all that adds up to a, a new world champion, is it, in the rematch? Yeah,
0: it must have been funny, because y'all see you got a little tear or two over here from laughing. <laughs> and the person laughed until they shared a tear. It was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, thanks, lot. I really I have one more it. poem about your show. Two, right. two seconds. All right. I asked how much money was I getting, you know, for taking up all my time. You know, I used to get a little paid for this. (laughs) And they said, you don't, your budget's kind of low, and you don't pay too much. (laughs) So I wrote a poem and I'm going to close with this. I love your show and I like your style, but your pay is so cheap, I won't be back for a while. (laughs)
2: The Frost interview, recorded in 1974.
8: What's the result going to be of the big fight?
0: No problem. <laughs> no problem. This will be the biggest upset since Sunny Lister. And I think it is befitting that I go out of boxing just like I came in, defeating a big, bad monster that nobody could destroy. A hard punch. I'm the underdog. If he hits me, I'm in trouble, like the Sunny Liston fight. But I came back, and I shook the world, and I got Liston. Now, it's 10 years since Sunny Liston, I'm meeting another big, bad, strong monster knockout artist that beats everybody Sonny Lister knocked out Patterson twice and I was supposed to fall but he didn't knock me out because he could hit hard but he couldn't find nothing to hit listen David when I meet this man if you think the world was surprised when Nixon resigned wait till I whip foreman's behind (laughs) I'm telling you, David, I'm down to 215 pounds. It's going to be some fight. The greatest fight, the greatest event of all times when I get to Kinshasa, Zaire, in Africa. Two billion people will watch the fight, and that's ten times the population of America. Two billion people will fill an arena of 100,000 seats every night with new faces for 170 years. Which round is it going to end? I'm not predicting the round uh could but it puts me on the spot because you worry about trying to predict around you might get him early and you call yourself carrying him until that round or he might slip up and get hurt it's too much pressure
8: is this definitely whatever happens the, your last
0: fight my last this is the last win or lose it's the, your ain't no such thing as lose <laughs> this is the last of muhammad ali so enjoy the fight get to the theater and see perpetual motion in action, the most scientific, the most creative, the most artistic. I'm an era, I'm not just boxing in retirement. time. This is an era going out. The most talked about, the most colorful, the most wisest mentally, the most controversial, the boldest, most courageous, the greatest fighter, the best the looking rumble. physically. Of all times, this will be the last rumble and I invite all of you to be there among those of us who dare to dare. Do you pray to your God, to Allah? I pray every morning at 5 o'clock. My clock rings at 4.30. I'm up at 5. I take a shower and I uh, put my white robe on. I put the towel on the floor and I face the east towards Mecca. And ain't no beautiful than getting up in the morning, brushing your teeth, washing out your mouth, taking the sin and the evil out that you've gotten from this world, comb your hair, wash the dirt out of your hair, clean your ears all parts of your body put a clean white robe on don't even stand on the dirty floor stand on the towel no shoes on facing the east asking the originator of the universe to make me better make me stronger give me more power this is done five times a day when i can especially when i go to bed another bath another shower clean my mouth pray and at five in the morning this goes on Yeah, when I'm right. Now, I didn't do that for the first Frazier fight, nor the first Norton fight. Really? No, sir. My head got big, and I started thinking it was my training camp and my boxing ability that kept me where I was at, and God punished me. And he gave me a good whooping. He broke my jaw in the second fight, and he got me whooped and knocked down in the Frazier fight. And I realized I wasn't that great after all. So I had to get not only together physically, but spiritually. For this fight, I've prayed every day for five days, five times a day for the past Uh, uh, four months and everything is perfect and if Allah's with me it ain't no way no man can win no way when I got Allah and Elijah Muhammad can't no human being win there's no way No way, because I'm representing God. I'm representing the freedom of black people in America. It's a spiritual. This ain't no fight no more. This ain't no sport no more. As one man have on the New Time magazine called New Time, says headline, Can Allah Save Ali? They know it's divine too. Can Allah Save Ali?
8: But I mean, the thing is that obviously the first thing that's got to happen is that, is, <laughs> is, that, uh, is that there's black pride, right? And that you are giving black people all over the world a pride Not and a self respect that, through Not Allah me, and I'm so on, they've never the had before. Is. But what about stage two of this? When blacks have their self respect, how do blacks and whites get together? Because if they don't get together, get together and live together, we ain't got no world. Get
9: together how?
8: Well, how do we live together? How do blacks and whites live together in peace and get together?
0: Well, number one, the black man wants to become independent and he's got something of his own, then you can respect one another. You can't respect a man always in your house begging. You're feeding him, you're clothing him, always around you begging, don't do nothing for himself. America must help the slave to go for himself. And Elijah Muhammad says the only way we can get together is to let the slave live to himself, govern himself, marry himself rule himself, build for himself, and educate himself on some land of his own. A total separation of the races is what we believe is the solution to our problem. Black man on his own land building for self. Everybody has a nation, but the Negroes in America. Everybody has a nation. This is a bold statement, but nobody else can say this. Everybody has their own country and land, but the Negroes in America. You from England. You don't like it, over you can go back home. There's a Nigerian out there, he don't like it, he can go back home. Oh, there's a Mexican out there, he don't like it, he can go back home. Oh, there's a Puerto Rican out there, he can go back home. Where do we call home? Do you know where my home is? What Chinese are named after China? Cubans are named after Cuba? Pakistan is named after Pakistan? Russians named after Russia? Australians after Australia? Englishmen after England? What country named Negroes? Well, Why are we called Negroes? Well,
8: it's obviously So long
0: that we're going to get together, it's for us to get a knowledge of ourselves.
8: Africans, I guess, is the word for Negroes.
0: Africa should be for the Africans. What I'm trying to say to you is this. I want to say we're going to get together is for us to get a knowledge of ourselves. We don't want to get together with white people. We got to get together first. See, for for one to be with one, I got to be one. We are not yet one. You have a leader, somebody represents England, Ford represents America. Now, who represent us? Black people have a meeting, 64 leaders show up. See, we not one. we too divided. And after we quit cutting each other, pulling each other down, fighting, disrespecting each other, clean up self, respect self, gang wars and all kind of problems, after we unite, then if there's any love left, then we love somebody else. But first, we got to unite. So ain't no such thing as how do we get together. We got to get together first. And then you ask me that question.
8: How long will it take for you all to get together?
0: As soon as the black people all get behind Allam be Elijah Muhammad, they'll be together. Only one man getting black people together, and that's Elijah Muhammad, the man that white people and the government don't talk about. They fear him and don't give him no press and don't want nobody to hear him. Cause once you hear him, if you're black, you're never the same.
8: But what about other black leaders like Martin Luther King, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, and black leaders around the world as well? Do you respect what they're doing
0: to uh, Kenneth Cowan? Doing, and- not what they're doing. And Martin Luther King, his goal was to walk down the street one day with a white girl. We don't call that progress. No white woman watching this show or no white man in his or her right mind, white mind, want black boys and black girls marrying their white sons and daughters in return, introducing their grandchildren as half-brown, kinky-haired Negroes. They don't want it. 40 million people, you know, it's a lot of Negroes just in New York, in Cleveland, Baltimore, Washington, California, it's a lot of black, Ooh, that's million. a whole nation, 40 million, man, they don't tell you the truth about that, they want us to stop having babies, they I give them birth control, 20 million. they're paying black women, it's not 40 to have babies million, now. not 20 million, yeah, they're paying black women not to have babies now, they got all kind of plans to stop our race.
8: Well, we, everyone, so when we know all this into So control, now a man, with, a man
0: with my knowledge What can you tell a man like me now What's your, what's your suggestion Ask your question Okay you're talking to me Not a dumb Negro or a poke shop eater Don't know the truth I'm free now I woke up Now what are you going to tell me now I done gave you my solution Some land of my own Doing something for myself Like you England and America do Now I know you're not against a black man I know you're not against me having my land are you I not know you all. English The ruled and slaved forever For a long time But do you do you still today don't want me to have my own country and build for myself and govern myself? Would you think that's bad if we thought like that? I what's th- your solution to my problem? Eight. 1974, then you all just some white man just flew from New York to England in a hour, less than two hours. You all are so progressive. You're walking around on other planets now. Today I'm intelligent too. Now what do you what What's your suggestion? What should be my movement? Integrate. Yeah, equal rights in a mixed society. In this society, where you still own the government, you still own the train station, the railroad plant, the lecture plant, these television cameras, you still make all the food, you control everything, and I'm like a leech on a dog's back. All I can do is just wait for you. I can't do nothing for myself. Integrating in your society don't mean I'm doing nothing for myself. You're doing it all. I want to do something for myself. I'm tired of depending on you. You might get broke one day. Your stores might close. Your gas pumps might cut off again. I'm relying on you now. Can I have my own land and country
8: well you've got your own freedom here for instance i know you're luckier than many black uh, people I'm in america but me. you're your own i'm boss. speaking for my
0: nation see, i know i appreciate if I was representing that. just me i wouldn't be talking like this because i got it made i'm talking for my brothers who's but out i just don't
8: see, how, Mohammed, don't, I don't see how i don't see how you can slice up america into bits and get well, all the whites in them. one area
2: and all the blacks well, in another we,
0: then we leave then we get to we leave
8: but they'd miss you i know it
2: Muhammad Ali. Most boxers can't even talk. Broadcast on BBC television, 5th of August, 1975.
3: It is an American university tradition that on graduation day, the students are addressed by a learned figure who will advise them how to live their lives thereafter. At other colleges in America today, President Ford and Vice President Rockefeller are giving that address but Harvard, the foremost seat of American learning, has conferred the honor on a bird of a different hue.
0: Some people have said that the days of Camelot begin when John Kennedy was elected president in 1960 and ended when Muhammad Ali hit the canvas in the 15th round of his first fight with Joe Frazier. Zaire, Malaysia, and many other nations have tried to claim him as their national development director. He is the best known face on the planet. The Harvard class of 1975 invited Muhammad Ali to speak tonight because he is not only a fine athlete and the world heavyweight champ, but also because he has wisdom from outside the boxing world, which he has come here to share with us tonight. So without saying anything further because the champ says it all, here's Professor Muhammad Ali. Uh, I'm very flattered in coming here, because you never could have made me believe years ago when I was a when I got out of high school with a D minus average, <laughs> and they gave me the minus because I won the Olympics. <laughs> 1960, I graduated in 1960. I won the Olympics in 1960, and if you had told me I'd be offered a professorship to teach philosophy and poetry at Oxford. And speaking at Harvard, man, I never would have believed it. So I'm real humble, and I'm thankful to be here. It's such a high seat of learning, and I'm just a boxer when most boxers can't even talk. (laughs) You couldn't invite Joe Frazier or George Foreman to talk. that are out of uh, people such as you all come presidents and governors and mayors and great doctors and physicians and scientists and everything. So I said, well, to get something together to talk to these people, it's gotta be pretty heavy. So I didn't bring no notes with me. (laughs) Most of my knowledge comes from traveling. Talking to people, old men, wine heads, drunks, people you see on Skid Row laying out. This guy's probably a scientist or a doctor. His woman left him. He went crazy. And he's out on the corner. You don't realize how much gold and how much wisdom is in ghettos or in places where you don't think it is. As the book says, when God come, he will come as a thief in the night. Not meaning that the sun will be down, but you wouldn't recognize him. Saw a black fellow the other day, had all white hair, a beard. Old cap on, little wine bottle in his pocket. Hey, could you give me a dollar? And I kept walking. I stopped. I said,
9: "Hey, man, go back here. I
0: don't know who this might be." I looked at him. He looked at me. Looked at me real strange. Then he shook my hand. He said, "I'll bless you. I'll bless you." Now I'm not saying that was no God or nothing. (laughs) What's he doing? Said, "I will bless you." How you know that ain't God out here walking around just testing you to see what you're gonna do? That's where I get my education. I'd be out there noticing these little things. I'd be in my little car, they having a little Volkswagen. I was in Chicago over on the west side and I saw a bunch of kids in the alley shooting dice. Come on dice, seven dice. I stopped the car, parked, had my blue jeans and tennis shoes on. and ran out there. I said, oh man, I'll run all you niggas off this dice. Give me the corner, man. They said, Muhammad Ali, oh! what are you, what are you doing over here? Come on, I saw him a nigga, give me the dice, shoot. And they shocked. They couldn't believe it. Muhammad Ali, the world heavyweight champion, who we just saw on worldwide television last week, in the alley, in the ghettos, no press, no announcement, no campaigning, on his knees, shooting dice with us. That was a dream to those little boys. Then I got to talking to him about dope and inviting him to the Muslim temple and want him to join now. Little things like this don't cost nothing. So if you all be great when you get out like me and you graduate <laughs> and you become rich, remember when you were sitting here tonight scuffling. Remember those little people who didn't get to make it like you. And every so often, go and walk down the same old street where he used to live and meet the old fella, you know, who used to play marbles with and let him know you're still with him. It'll
3: make you greater The same old street for Ali is in Louisville, Kentucky.
0: I get a feeling here that I don't get no other country, no other city here in the States. These are my people. I can identify with them. They remember me when I was called Gigi, my nickname, when I was called Cassius Clay. They knew me when I went to school, when I uh, rode around in motorcycle gangs and stole bicycles and did everything that other little kids do. Peeped in windows and, and my first girlfriends are still around, they remember it, And I have a feeling here that I can't get nowhere else. I paid much money for homes in New Jersey. Then I moved to places like Houston, Texas, then I moved to Miami, and then I moved to Philadelphia, and now I'm in Chicago. But I still don't get the feeling of serenity and peace and satisfaction as I do here in Louisville, because this is home. And we all know how we like home. There's a certain feeling when you're going around home, the same old pool rooms, the coffee shop, or the bar where the fellas hang out, and you know them all, and they knew you before you made it or before you became who you are. It's just a good feeling being at home. Well, first fella I met who started me was Joe Martin, a white police officer here, then Fred Stoner, a black fella in Louisville, Kentucky. Joe Martin had a TV show called Tomorrow's Champions. He had the connection and everything. And Fred Stoner, the black trainer, Grace Community Center in another part of town, trained boys in the poverty, and the ghettos, in the basement. He had all the skill, the black fella, he had the best fighters, but no connection. I train with Joe Martin at 6 o'clock and then slip over to Fred Stoner's gym and learn all the skills. And then I go back to Joe Martin's and get all the TV fights, but I slip to Fred Stoner's to get the real knowledge. So, where I got my real knowledge on boxing was from Fred Stoner, from Joe Martin, I uh, got the uh, publicity. So, I visited my mother yesterday and my father, and uh, they don't get along too well. Everybody's got problems. My father's 62, my mother's about 54. She wants our divorce, so i got to help her get a divorce. You agree with that, do you? <laughs> yeah, but they don't have no peace and always fussing and never get along. My father is always, uh, I don't know, just little hang-ups. They just can't make it, so I'll try to reconcile them, but if we can't make it, it's best to separate so she can have some peace and she don't have to worry and suffer like she did years ago because I have the finance to take out her misery. Yeah.
3: When you talk to your old friends and meet them again, do you have a, a lot in common still, or have you grown apart from
0: them? Well, we've grown apart, and they all have families, and, you know, they're married, and they got fat, and, and some got prettier, some got uglier, and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, some moved to other cities, and things are different. we are grown now, and we're getting old, and we all got little children, and, you know, that's the way life
3: goes. Say you'd never gone into boxing. Would you have stayed here? Would you have grown up yeah, here? Probably stayed.
0: Business? Good question. Probably, I was always adventurous. I probably left here, went to another city. Probably, uh, uh, I probably been a Muslim, middle stuff. I was always, a, always black orientated. I've always a freedom fighter. I got with some black organization and start pushing it. Uh, I didn't have the type of mind to work in a post office. I'd be a cab driver, a hotel waiter, or a bail captain. I wasn't that type fellow. I was always. I would have done something. I would have been good or top-notch or something else. If it was garbage man. I've been the world's greatest garbage man. I've been the world's greatest whatever I've done. And I think that I would have met some real pretty girl probably in another city, got married, and uh, got me an little apartment, a house, and got wrapped up in some movement and been in some type of freedom fight or something. When you were a kid, you always bet certain fellas I'm gonna be champion one day, and when I'm champion, I'm gonna come back and show you I'm wrong. Another said, "Guys, I'm gonna be a great doctor one day, and I'm gonna be a dentist. I'm gonna be a great scientist. I'm gonna be a president of the country." And but very few people actually are able to make good of the boast and come home and say, "I told you." And when you do make good of that boast, you're so mature now, and and until you no longer uh, have, you no longer want to prove it. Like, fellas who told me you never would make it, you're too shamed to come back and say, didn't I tell you I was be champion one day? We're old and that. we're mature, and he's grown, and and he's proud I made it, and I want to be humble. I don't want to be boastful and look down on him because he's still in the corners, doing whatever he did years ago, drinking a beer, chatting with the guys, and going to work every day at the post office. I don't want to go back and I say, didn't I tell you I was be champion one day? We're too big and intelligent and civilized for so that. I heard something once that says, service to others is the rent we pay for our room here on earth. So people pay me to serve them. I serve them my talent. I used to chase celebrities. I used to follow celebrities. And you look big to them. And you look great. And they've been reading about you. and Now they see you. So you expect that. And when you don't want to face it, you just don't come out. You know, that's all. Just don't go where they are. You know it's going to happen, so be ready for it. Ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to be a champion, a leader of my people in some kind of way, to help them. That was my life purpose, was to be somebody with influence, to help lead people the right way. I say I always knew it was going to happen. I knew I was born for something.
3: Probably the only place on Earth where Ali can find some peace from his followers and his entourage is his camp in Deer Lake, Pennsylvania. Whenever possible, he retreats there to train and to find some solitude.
0: These are the ponies we bought, just for children. In summertime when the children come up, we saddle up ponies and let them ride around on them. Heckle and Jekyll and Mutt and <laughs> My wife, my wife names all these horses. But I just come to train for fights, stay so long and then I pack up and leave, just just enough time to get in shape for fights. So I built this place about about uh, four years ago, I started building. Usually, I don't have time to do what I want to do, like going out with my kids. I got a mobile home setting over there with beds and everything on it. I don't have a chance to go out and do the things I want to do. So most of my time is spent training because my life in boxing is short, four or five more years at the most. And then I'll do the things that I want to do, like cut the grass, go out with the family go to the beach or whatever I want to do. I can't do that now, so my time now is just been training because I fight so regular.
3: What do you hope for your children? What, what would you like your sons to be when they grow
0: well, up? I have one son, I hope to have more. I just want them to get educated, learn how to read, write, take up a trade, be a doctor or go to law school, uh, be a scientist or do anything that's gonna teach them to earn a good livelihood. I regret I should have studied hard in school Probably should have went to college one day, but one day soon, I hope to make up for it. But common sense means a lot. Uh, I don't have that type of education, but I'm well able enough to hire and employ the people who do have that type of education. Einstein, I understand, wasn't an educated man. Moses, Lot, Noah, Jesus, God's major prophets weren't educated men. I get by using common sense. And experience is the best teaching I get a lot of experience.
3: When you say you're going to make up for it one
0: day, what would you do to make up for it? Well, one day I would like to take up some course, mainly on reading and writing. That's all. I don't need to know nothing else. Just how to read better and write better so I can study more.
3: What's wrong with your reading and writing at the moment? It's not. Good, I don't right?
0: read too good and I don't spell it all Harley. But you
3: signed these big contracts nevertheless.
0: Right. I can write my name and I have lawyers who went to school to get the degrees and I'm well able enough to employ them and hire them.
3: In Harvard, where the Boston School busing controversy still rages, he employs his wit to advocate the separation of the races.
0: The busing—I mean, I'm serious. See, we Muslims don't—we love Islamic schools. We love our own kind. We don't—I don't know nothing about, you know, when where I'm not wanted. I'm too proud or too great. Even before I was who I was, I used to walk down the street and black people be marching, say, "You fools! Why don't you go somewhere and people pouring water on you and..." putting dogs on you, and, and what in the hell's worth that? You gotta be crazy watching your sisters all beat up. You niggas make me come on over let's clean up our own neighbor and build us a restaurant. Hell, we got the best food and the best music and everything, come on over. That's where I used to talk. So I don't know nothing about no forcing and people throwing at me and don't want me. I'm too proud for that, I walk tall. What you mean you don't want me? Pretty as I am. We don't hate white people. I'm sure whites don't just hate blacks, but it's nature. You don't see Chinese's and Puerto Ricans and, and trying to mix. Everybody's got their own little cultures. That's what you try. you fighting God. See, God made us in nation's families and tribes. I don't hate nobody. I just like my own. Ain't nothing to me like a pretty brown soul sister. Yeah. And I'm sure this nice handsome blonde hair fell over. Ain't nothing like him like a big pretty leg blonde. And plain Tang Tong ain't nothing to him but like another plain Tang Tong. <laughs> so I don't know. You sure have, you don't have no problem when you know yourself. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth alone will make you free. He didn't say busting or integrating or setting in the land. He said truth will free you. Muslims are free. Elijah Muhammad's followers are so happy. we not... We so proud and we so happy in our little stores and our little farms and supermarkets. i fly flying our own little jet planes and our own little stuff. It's like we've got three or four jet planes now. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Then other people will help you if you help yourself. Clean your own house up. Marry your own woman. Quit worrying everybody else and chasing their daughters. And they don't like that.
2: Archive interview. Broadcast on BBC Radio, 17th of July, 1977.
1: Muslims from Leeds, Manchester and London swelled the crowd outside the small mosque where Ali, his wife and their 11-month-old daughter, arrived for a blessing ceremony by the South Shields' imam. The proceedings were cut short when the crowd inside threatened to swamp both the couple and the officiating Muslim clergy. Afterwards, a brewery laid on a lavish wedding reception, complete with horse-drawn carriage and bridesmaids. I asked Ali how he reacted to his welcome here.
0: The same type of crowd that waits for the queen would be waiting to see me. I never would have believed it. I'd never been so honored right in America itself among government officials and authorities. So this is the news I'm going to take back, and I'm overjoyed. Next time I go in the ring, I'll always remember how many people I have rooting for me back here.
2: Tonight, broadcast on BBC Television, 15th of January, 1979.
3: Muhammad, welcome to London and happy birthday indeed to you. Thank you. Um, is it true, can it really be confirmed now that you're actually not going to box again?
9: No, we can't confirm it because then the boxing authorities will have a right to take the title before I give it up. So... Uh, I'm still the champion as of this moment. And I plan to retire in a few months. This will be a big celebration probably on the network television in America. But I'm still champion as of this moment.
3: So the plan is for you to retire, but supposing a lot more money was offered for uh, another fight, would that not be a great temptation?
0: I'm looking for the devil to tempt me. Uh, I look at this as Satan trying to take away my world honor and my great image of three time champion,
9: first black man to go out with that title, and the first man to do it three times, I can live for the rest of my life just on that. I'm straight now for the rest of my
0: life. I'm looking for the devil coming one day. So here's twelve million dollars to fight nobody. You can win. Twelve million, take it, take
9: it. But what I see is not the twelve million. I see myself getting $12 million, but I see myself winning the fight. But going out looking bad, beating up somebody that anybody could beat, beating up somebody that people see I'm taking advantage just for money. And then they can dishonor my name and all the critics can talk about me. There are many critics in America that hate Muhammad Ali. And anything I do, they there's my wife, my mother, my religion. They just want to use sports as a platform to let out the hate against myself. So I've defeated all of them.
0: They cannot talk bad about me. They cannot write bad. All their lives, they go to to bed worried every night. We couldn't get him. That big mouth did all of this and got away. I just enjoyed knowing that I whipped them, not just a sphinx or a boxer, but I beat all the enemies and the powers that are against me. So I won't don't give them the honor of just having the right to write nothing bad about me. So they can give me $50 million tomorrow. I say $50 million. Boy, what I have is really valuable.
2: Turn it down. Archive interview. Broadcast on BBC Television, 19th of September,
9: 1984 No Parkinson disease. My doctor made a statement. It made people think like that. When you have Parkinson, you shake. Do you see me shaking?
6: I noticed uh, throughout our conversation you're not shaking, no. No,
9: Parkinson, you shake I but I've had tremors at times where um, I noticed uh, a tremor in the right hand and they said possibly it's uh, symptoms of Parkinson, but not that I have Parkinson's disease.
6: If, the, if your doctors have given people um, a misleading impression of, uh, uh, of what Firm. might be wrong with you... Firm. What is wrong with you?
9: Well, I don't know. I don't see nothing wrong.
6: What has been the purpose of the tests that you've been having uh, in Europe? Tests? I thought you'd been to Dusseldorf for medical tests. No.
9: I went to Dusseldorf to um, talk to sponsors who were putting in buying stock in my company, Champion Sports Management. I'm not there for no doctor.
6: So we've all been misled here in, uh, in England then, have we? I
9: will see what happened. I, about ten, 10 days ago, I checked in New York Hospital quietly because people mobbed me like the devil. And for physical. And I always go to get checkups once every six months. Twice a rumor got down in Los Angeles. I was sick. I'm always going to get physical. Every six months, I go to the hospital, get a total
6: checkup. So all of of these things that we've been hearing here are mischievous rumors, and uh, Ali is still good, Well, a
9: rumor came out of London a couple months ago. He had brain damage. Remember Remember that? I do. Brain damage. He's had brain damage. Uh, He can't talk. When you hear him talk, you can't understand him. Don't you hear me?
6: I hear you. You do talk a little slower and more thoughtfully than uh, well, I remember I, well, you doing well, uh, at the height of the greatness. Yeah.
9: <laughs> when I was boxing, I was campaigning. I'm the greatest of all time. I'm pretty. Cooper talk job. You follow the five. I'm pretty. I'm the greatest of all time. Felt like a butterfly. Same way be. I'm king. Let me go. I'll get him. I'm the greatest. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'm the king. Let me go. Oh. Slow down. That's to you see you're so used to that. Now I get back to myself. He's got trouble. He talks slow now. I'm the greatest actor in the world.
2: Wogan, hosted by Joanna Lumley, broadcast on BBC Television 1989.
1: Many remember him as Cassius Clay, the Louisville lip, but to most he is
3: simply the greatest. Ladies and gentlemen, Muhammad Ali. Welcome. Ali, you're the greatest. How are you the greatest champion in the world?
9: <clears throat> that was only publicity, oh. saying I'm the greatest, just to build the fight. I never really believed that. You didn't believe it? Still don't. I believed it. My brother got back Joe Frazier twice. <laughs> Real close. And nobody's that great.
3: You've beat these two guys. You've beat that guy. Close. Those? Those <laughs>
9: you
6: that. You ain't beat this guy. She's agitated. You beat ah. this guy. <laughs>
9: <laughs> She's trying, trying to make me mad.
3: <laughs> Listen, Ali, the- what do you think of Mike Tyson?
9: Awesome. He's powerful and he's strong. He's got uh, a big punch. If he hits you, you're in trouble.
3: Right. How would you have fared against him? Would you have whopped him?
9: Stick move. Hit him. Um, yes. Time him out. Right. After about round ten, move in.
1: Ali, do you still <laughs> do poems?
3: Do you still make up poems about I, I, I things? I've
9: made one for your show.
3: You've made up one for the show.
9: I love your show, I admire your style, but you pay it so cheap, don't call for a while. <laughs>
2: BBC Archive Voices, Muhammad Ali is an Audio Go production.